Well, it is uh, 4th of July weekend, right? Everybody's excited 4th of July weekend. Get to have some fun. Uh, it's great. Everybody gets tomorrow off, hopefully, right? We love a free day off. You know, you get a little three-day weekend. It's good. We enjoy those kind of things. And when you come to the 4th of July, I don't know about you, but I love all the celebration, but there's two things I think about, food and fireworks, right? We like food and fireworks. Um, how many out there are the big food people? You like the grilling and you like doing all that kind of stuff. Okay, some of you, those people. Uh, I'm the food person. I love food. Uh, but if you know what I'm talking about, food's gotten a little expensive lately, right? You've been to the grocery store lately. It's like painful. I've been calling my children to seasons of prayer and fasting uh, just to save money in our house. No, I don't. I'm not. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't do that. I'm not a horrible father <laughs> most of the time. But it is expensive. And so I thought I'd do something because somebody, I know there's somebody out there who's, who's doing a, you know, you got people coming over your grill and you're like, man, this is going to cost me a lot of money. I got a $50 gift card to Cub Foods. $50. Who's, who's got a party going on? I could use them all right here. Here we go. We got some right there. Boom. Come get yourself a $50 gift card to Cub Foods. Okay. What? What? <laughs> My wife's like, could I go grab that? And I'm like, no, you're not allowed to, Amber. Stay back there. Okay. All right. Uh, but there's the, there's the food, but then there's the fireworks. How many of you like fireworks? You big fireworks people? Okay, I'm a big fireworks person. I love, love, I grew up in Chicago, and Chicago's got some serious fireworks, and I'd always go downtown to watch those fireworks. Um, but if you've ever set off fireworks, uh, you probably have a story where you've almost killed yourself. You ever had those kind of stories, like you almost blow yourself up? A little bit. I've, I've seen. I love this video. Here's a video I saw just this last week. Watch this video with me, real quick. Whoa. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. Do you hear him? He's like, it's okay. It's okay. He's probably holding a child right there. You know, it's okay. But I got a video. Of this. This is awesome. It's okay. You'll be fine, right? I saw another, sorry, I got to play another one. I saw this one as well. This one's a great, it's only like six seconds long. This guy gets a brilliant idea to attach a firework to one of these big, like, throwing plane things. Watch this clip right here. He throws his plane. Oh, the firework is off the you. back of it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he hits his neighbor's house. <laughs> but I love you. He goes, oh, no. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully you've never done that. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. How do you explain that to the insurance company? Like, um, so what happened was, uh, if you have a kid, you pray they never do something like that, you know, but, uh, but how many know if you live life long enough, we've all done something kind of stupid like that? Maybe not quite that stupid, but we all do things sometimes that are just foolish. Things that we look back at ourselves and we say like, uh, what was I thinking? Obviously, I wasn't thinking in that moment. I think we've all had those kind of moments. And there is an entire book of the Bible dedicated to trying to help us in this way, to bring us a little bit of wisdom in life, to make some better decisions in the way that we live our lives. And this morning, we're kicking off a series that I've just entitled The Proverbial Life. The Proverbial Life. It's a play on the book of Proverbs. Is We're going to be walking through the book of Proverbs over the next two weeks. And if you're familiar, familiar with the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs is filled with wisdom. It's, it's called wisdom literature, and it's there to bring some wisdom to our life. How can we live a life of godly wisdom? And throughout this series, just be aware, we're going to talk about some really, really practical stuff. 
Um, it, there's going to be weeks where we talk, one where we talk about sex, one where we talk about money, when we talk about relationships, where we talk about alcohol, where we talk about our words, we talk about our attitudes, we talk about our work ethic. They're very, very practical topics that come up in the book of Proverbs. And here's what I think is every week we're going to be challenged. This isn't going to be one of those just like high, lofty, spiritual things where you don't know what to do with it. Every week I think you're going to understand, okay, I need to do something with this. How am I going to live differently because of this? And I think this is going to be helpful for us. And so I would encourage you to have an open heart. Uh, This is one of those seasons where, you know, I know in the summer you might miss some weeks, but this would be a good series for you to pop on. If you miss a week, you're not around for a Sunday, go back and watch messages because I think every single message will challenge us. And I hope that we will experience some transformation in our lives as we walk through this this summer, all right? If you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1? Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse number one. And would you stand with me as we're going to read our primary text here this morning? Again, if you're a guest here today, uh, there's nothing sacred about standing. It's just the, the thing we do around here to say, God, we value your words more than what I got to say, okay? Proverbs chapter one, beginning in verse one, says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, Doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Father, we just thank you that... uh, You don't just try to speak to us in high and lofty thoughts, but there are things that are applicable that we can really bring to our life today. And so, God, I pray that you would help us today and even through this series that we would truly desire what do you have to say? What does your wisdom look like? Where do you want us to go? What direction do you want us to walk in, Lord? I pray that then we would have hearts that are responsive to that. So, Lord, even today, I pray that you would speak to us. Give us your wisdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. You can be seated. So my guess is um, most of us have, even if you haven't read the book of Proverbs, you've probably heard some Proverbs in your life. Uh, because the book of Proverbs has a lot of wisdom in it, and, it, and it's something that even our culture has taken on some of the ideas that we find in the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs is just filled with lots and lots of wisdom. But before we dig into the book, I always like to ask the question, what's the context of this book? And so to understand the context of the book of Proverbs, we got to kind of understand the story of Scripture and the whole story of Scripture, what takes place. And so we got, go back to the very beginning of Scripture, the very beginning of the story. And what happens? What does it say? God created the heavens and the earth. God creates all things. He creates it perfectly. There is order. There's a plan, right? He has this idea and this ideal for how humanity should live in the context of his created world. And immediately, though, God gives humanity the option. They have the choice to respond to God's wisdom, to his plan, to his ideal for the world, or they can rebel and go the other direction. They can, they can choose, you know what, I want to do things my own way. And if you're familiar with the story of scripture, mankind does what? They choose rebellion. They walk their own way. They say, we're going to do things our way. We're not going to listen to your wisdom, God. We're going to do things our way. And, and the result is the consequence of that. There's death, there's destruction, there's pain that our world still deals with because honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, we are still in that position where so often we have a tendency to rebel against what God's plan is and what his desires are. 
So when you go through the story of Scripture, you see illustration after illustration of people who are simply rebelling against what God's plan is, and they face the consequence of it. And then we come to a man named Solomon. Some of you are familiar with Solomon. Who is Solomon? Solomon was a king, but he was the son of King David, probably the most well-known king of Israel at the time. And Solomon has a moment, an encounter with God, and some of you are familiar with the story where God comes to Solomon. He says, Solomon, I'll give you whatever you want. And what does Solomon ask for? Wisdom. He says, God, I need your wisdom. That's what I need. I got to lead your people. Would you give me wisdom? And so God gives him wisdom. But on top of it, he blesses him financially. He gives him his favor. And so as Solomon leads his king, he's got all this wisdom and insight. In fact, it talks about that over 3,000 Proverbs were written by Solomon. It said that people from all over the world would come to talk to Solomon. He had all this brilliant wisdom. But if you know the story, what happens? He ends up getting all these women from different countries who have other gods. And eventually he turns and he does the very thing that wisdom would say don't do. And he rebels against God. He goes his own direction. And the result is the consequences of it ends up destroying the nation of Israel over this. Why? Because he's gone the wrong way. And so what we learn from Solomon's life is this, is that wisdom isn't knowledge. Wisdom isn't knowledge. Because you all know some smart people that do dumb things, don't you? Right? We all know people like, they are so smart. What were they thinking? Right? They lack wisdom, but they have knowledge. Right? So wisdom is not knowledge. No. Wisdom is what? Wisdom is applied knowledge. Wisdom is applied knowledge. It's not enough to just simply know something. It's the ability to actually do that. And if you look at the original Hebrew, the word for wisdom that we have in the Old Testament is actually uh, closely related to this because it's the same word they would use for skilled craftsmen. Okay? So when it talks about they, they would get these skilled craftsmen to build different parts of the temple and things like that, they use that same word. They have this chokmah. That's the word, the Hebrew word. And what is it? It's this ability to know something, but also to be able to do something, to actually use what we have. And that's what wisdom is. It's the ability to live this out. And so we get to the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is filled with this wisdom. Proverbs, what does it do? It is pulled together the wisdom literature of Solomon, all of these Proverbs that Solomon had, as well as wisdom from a few other sources with the desire to pass on the wisdom that had been accumulated by God's people so that we could live lives in more alignment with what God desires for us. That's what we see in the book of Proverbs. And so when you go through Proverbs, it's a little bit different than some other books. The first, you know, seven verses, as we just said, is kind of like an intro to this whole book. It's like gives a little introduction. Hey, here's what this book's going to be about. And then if you continue to read the first several chapters of up to about chapters nine or ten, there's like ten speeches from a father or a mother to a child to speaking about the importance of wisdom in your life. It's this blessing. So if you're ever needing to be inspired, I should want more wisdom, you can go read a few of those chapters. It'll inspire you. Hey, you need this in your life. This is important for what you're going to do in your life. And then the last section of the uh, uh, Proverbs, which is the majority of the book, is all these short little statements. And my guess is that's what you've probably heard before in Proverbs. When you think about Proverbs, is these short little pithy statements that have a meaning to them. There's a nugget of, nugget of truth. There's this distilling of truth down to these short little statements. But I think we ask the question, what are these statements? I think it's important to understand what are all these statements that we read. Because I think we can make a mistake when we read the book of Proverbs. We say, oh, some of us, we might think, oh, this is just good advice. These are nice little statements that are good advice. 
I would say it's a step beyond just good advice. <laughs> this isn't just, hey, hey, here's an idea to think about in your life. No, there, there's some divine wisdom in this that God is giving for us. That, that you want to respond to underneath God's authority and be submissive to his authority? Okay, this is some good things for you to step into, okay? But there's something else that these statements are not. They are not promises, Okay? And see, this is where we can get into trouble when it comes to the book of Proverbs. We can go through and read all these statements. You're like, promise, promise, promise. I'm going to stand on this like it's a promise. These aren't promises. This isn't a guarantee, okay? How can I, I'll prove that to you here in a moment. There's a, there's a quote that all of us know from Proverbs uh, chapter 22, verse 6. You know this, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you know a child who's been trained up the right way and they departed from it? Okay? This isn't a guarantee. This isn't a promise like, hey, if you train them right, for sure. No, children still have a choice to go where they want to. This is a principle. This is a principle that's true. And that's what we see in the book of Proverbs. It is principles that are generally true. In fact, some, you might even say, rather than this being a promise, this is more like a probability. This is the result of what will happen when you lean in. God's wisdom would say, function this way. Is it a guarantee, is a promise that it's always going to work out? No, our world is more complex than that. And if you take the whole of wisdom literature, it's more than the book of Proverbs. We've got books like Job. We've got the book of Ecclesiastes that brings a fuller understanding of what the world is like. Those ones wrestle like, what, what happens when things go sideways? How do I deal with that? Those books are for that. But this gives us the general principle. This is what wisdom looks like in your life. It's not a guarantee of results. It talks, what does it mean to follow God? What does it look like to live well in God's kingdom? What does it look like to submit to God's wisdom? That's what we're going to find in the book of Proverbs, okay? And so what, how are we going to respond is so, so important. So this morning, I'm going to look just at one simple phrase. That's all we're going to do, okay? One simple phrase, the entire message is around that. Because there's a phrase that we see come up regularly in the book of Proverbs. And I think if we don't understand what it means, then we're going to miss out on everything else that's going on in the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's a phrase that's found 14 times in the book of Proverbs. And this is the phrase. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Okay? This is what we're going to look at today. So there's a verse that many of you have probably heard that. It was in the text that we just read, but it's most known probably in the book of Proverbs from a verse found in chapter 9, verse 10, where it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How many ever heard that phrase before? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is that you want to experience wisdom in your life. You want to, you want to function uh, with the way God has designed the world. You want to do that. Okay, it requires something. It's the fear of the Lord. But what do we mean by the fear of the Lord? To understand that, you have to understand what does the word fear mean? What does the word fear mean? Some of us like the idea of fear. Some of you out there, you like to watch like scary movies. You know, you like to be freaked out. You like to be nervous. Like, I don't like that at all. How many of you actually like scary movies? Raise your hand. Some of you like scary movies. Okay. It's okay. You're like, you're, you're, you're way stronger than I am, right? How many of you hate scary movies? Raise your hand. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I don't feel so weak. Okay. I told this story several months ago. I'm going to tell it again because it's just funny. But I, I, was, uh, I was dating Amber for two weeks. We had been dating for two weeks. And, uh, and I was still in that season where I'm trying to impress the girl, you know, that. And so I invite... <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I invite, I invite Amber over to my apartment. We're going to watch a movie. Right? And, uh, and at the time, I was in college, and the movie that was popular was The Ring. Okay? Some of you know the movie The Ring. Okay? 
Now, you have to understand something about me. I don't like scary movies at all, and, but, but I didn't really know what The Ring was. I just knew that it was a movie and everybody was watching it. So I'm like, okay, come over. We're going to watch this movie. And within about a minute, you know the scary music sound? Like, I know that this movie is just going to be here to make me scared. Like, there's nothing fun in this movie. It's just going to be here to free. Like, how can me make me tense for two hours straight? That's what it is. So I sit and I'm watching this and I'm like, this isn't fun, but I'm like, I got this, whatever. About five minutes in, I'm like, okay, I don't want to do this, but suck it up, Greg. You got a man up. Yeah, this is awesome. You know, I'm just sitting there like, this is amazing. This is great. You know, I'm trying to enjoy myself, whatever. It's horrible. I don't like this. This isn't fun to me. I get about 10 minutes in, I start having a conversation in my head. Maybe you've had a conversation this that you're like, you're like, I'm like, do I want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't really know who I am? Like, if I keep lying to her, this is not really an authentic relationship. I, I owe it to her to tell her how I feel right now. But I keep trying to man it up and, like, not say anything, you know. And finally, like, 15 minutes, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm done. And so I just, I turned to her. I'm like, hey, I hate scary movies, and I'm going to have no fun for the next two hours. Do you mind if we turn something else on? And I will never forget her face. She, she just turned to me, and she's like, okay. <laughs> And praise God, she, she didn't walk away from me. She's still married to me now. But like, I, can't, I actually can't believe she's still with me. Like, that was a really weak move in that moment. But, but that, was how, that was how I felt. I'm like, I don't like that. But that's not the kind of scary, that's not the kind of fear that we're talking about here when the fear of the Lord. This word fear, what does it mean? It means a reverence or a respect. That's what we're meaning by fear. It's not like I'm afraid, oh no, this is going to hurt me. No, it's a, it's a reverence. It's a respect. It's a fear, though, that results in a submission to the other person, right? It's a fear that recognizes something. It's a fear that says, you know what? I have a sober understanding of my position in comparison to you. That's what it means to have the fear of the Lord. To dig into this, I want to actually contrast two statements that I think you've probably all heard, and both of them are found in Scripture. What are these two statements? It is the fear of God versus the fear of the Lord. And this is what we're going to dig into. The fear of God versus the fear of the Lord. Now, most of you in the room, you look at that and you're like, isn't that the same thing, Greg? (laughs) It looks like the same thing to me. What are you talking about, Greg? I have to say these are two vastly different things, okay? Two vastly different things, okay? What is the fear of God? The fear of God, in fact, when you go into the Old Testament specifically, that's where I'm going to contrast here. The word for God is Elohim. Elohim, what does the word Elohim mean? It means, it means an understanding of God, this power of this kind of universal understanding of who God is, right? This is, there's a God out there somewhere. In fact, Scripture teaches us what? Is it through our conscience and through creation, there is a revelation, some revelation of who God is, right? This is why so many people walk around the world, and they're like, yeah, I believe in a God. Yeah, there's a higher power out there. There's a God out there. I have a fear that there's some God out there, right? A lot of people, you probably have people in your lives that say things like that. I believe in God. You know, I believe in God, and so I try to be a good person because I think if I'm going to be a good person, if there's a God out there that, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm a good person and then, you know, he's okay with me, whatever it is. You might say things like, I think God is like this. You ever had people say that? Well, I think God is like this. No, I think God is like this. Like, no, I, I, I believe that God thinks this way. I, I think God thinks this way. We have those different thoughts. I'll hear people share those kind of things. And that's what it means to, to have the fear of God. There's a recognition that there's a general sense of a God out there, but I'm kind of figuring out what that looks like. I'm trying to, to draw the lines around what that God is. And when pressed, God-fearing people, people who are God-fearing, don't really have a basis for their belief in God. 
I've talked to people who have this. They, yeah, there's a God out there. I say, okay, well, well, how do you define where God is? Well, I don't, I don't really know. It's just kind of what I think, my perception of who God is. Okay, that's great. So you are the definition of what God is. You've just defined for yourself. See, that's what a God-fearing person is. Everything ends up being on their terms, right? It's their opinion. And I don't think that's a bad starting point. I think it's a good starting point. God obviously had revelation. The whole point of creation is to recognize, yes, there is something greater. But it's beyond that. And that's why we look at the phrase, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. You notice the only different word is this right here. What does this word mean, the Lord? Now, some of you think, well, that means Lord. Isn't that like the same as this? Well, whenever you see, I'm going to teach you something real quick because some of you probably don't know this. In the Old Testament, you'll sometimes see the Lord with lowercase o-r-d. But more often than not, you will see all caps l-o-r-d. What is that? That is the proper name for the God of Scripture. That is the word Yahweh. How many ever heard the word Yahweh before? Okay. That is the proper name of God in Scripture as revealed in Scripture and through Christ. This is the proper name. And so when we talk about the fear of the Lord, it is very different than the fear of God. It isn't just some general sense that there's a God out there and I'm going to draw some boundaries around what that looks like. No, the fear of the Lord is very specific. And whereas the fear of God comes with, from some gen, a general revelation, this general understanding of who God is, and it says, we kind of figure it out. No, the fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahweh comes from a very specific revelation, and it demands a specific response, okay? Because we have people that walk around and say, I got the fear of God, but they have no definition of what that is. And if we're going to have the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, then we have to understand what does this look like? Because the God that we serve, the God of Scripture, he actually has revealed who he is. He has revealed what he values, and he has revealed what he expects from us. And if we are going to have the fear of the Lord, not just the fear of God, the fear of the Lord, then the result must be that we submit our ways to his ways. Okay? That's what the fear of the Lord is. You want wisdom in your life? It doesn't come as Adam and Eve experienced by trying to walk their own way. No, experiencing God's wisdom requires us to reverence him, to submit to him, to come under his authority in our own lives. See, when we fear the Lord, our opinions cease to matter. We don't like to hear that because I'm like, I'm pretty smart, God. I'm a pretty smart dude. I got some pretty good ideas, God. Yeah, when you have the fear of the Lord, when you have submitted your ways to the Lord, your opinions don't matter. See, I think one of the beautiful uh, parts of our modern world is that everyone has the power to share what they think at any time. You know what I mean? You go online, I get to say whatever I want to. I can say it to the whole world. The problem is we've been deluded into believing that what I think actually matters. <laughs> How many of you know somebody on Twitter, they got like 13 followers, and they're out there like, boom, 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 spouting all their stuff out to the world as if anybody cares what they have to say. Like, your opinion doesn't actually matter. In fact, nobody's listening to you right now because it doesn't matter. It's not that important. You ever had somebody online that clearly doesn't have a clue what they're talking about, still trying to have an opinion about something? Like, like you don't actually know anything about that. These are the experts. You don't know anything, and you're trying to act like you know something, all right? This is what happens. But we do the same thing ourselves, don't we? My opinion matters. What I think matters. What I feel matters. How I respond. That's what matters, God. What about what I think? I don't agree with you on this, God. I don't like this part of you, so I'm only going to take the parts that I like. You know? Sometimes we treat God as if he's a la carte. You know? 
just going to take the parts that I like. You know, it's like a buffet, and I'm just going to skip that portion of the buffet because I don't like that part of the buffet. Guess what that's called? It's called the fear of God. Oh, there's a God out there, but I, at the end of the day, I get to decide what he's like. But when you have the fear of the Lord, guess what happens? You say, you know what? What I think, what I feel is secondary to his authority. So I don't care whether I like it or not. I say, is there something going on? Okay, God, what do you have to say about that? Whether I like it, whether I agree with it, whether culture would advocate for it, doesn't really matter. That's secondary. The fear of the Lord says, God, whatever you say, I'm willing to submit my heart to it. I don't have to like it. I choose submission. Why? Because I'm going to trust that operating in your wisdom, although it might not always make sense to my mind, operating in your wisdom is where blessing comes. Right? That's where it is. Falling in alignment with you. That's what you're asking for every single one of us. See, the fear of the Lord recognizes who God is. It says, God, I know who you are. I'm going to pursue who you are as revealed in Scripture. Right? It, it recognizes what he values, the things that he says are important. And it also recognizes what is he expecting from me? How should I live? How should I respond? That's what it understands. And then it chooses submission. Because when we don't do that, the only choice is rebellion. See, this is why, and I know Micah shared a little of this last week, and, and we talk about this on a regular basis around, this is why being in the Word of God matters so much. Why does it matter to be in the Word? Because if you're not in the Word of God on a regular basis, if you're not coming here and allowing me to do my best to open scriptures to us, I'm not doing that just to entertain you. I'm doing it because we desperately need to know what does God expect of us? What does He desire for us? What has He provided for us? We need to know those things. Because if we don't, then we're making up an idea of God in our head. We've invented God. And guess what? When we've invented God, who's God? We are. And until we get to a place of submission to say, God, I trust in who you are, and I trust in your ways, even if I don't understand it. I choose to submit myself to you. That's what we're called to, but we have to know who we're submitting to. And God has chosen to reveal himself through scripture and through Christ. And what we do is everything that we can do to say, God, help me to understand you. May I come to a knowledge of you at a deeper level. When I don't understand God, would you teach me? I'm going to seek out wisdom in every way possible. I'm going to seek those who are ahead of me in the spiritual journey to speak into my life. Why? Because we desperately want to come under the alignment of what God says as opposed to our own. Because every single one of us has the choice. Every moment of every day. It's just like we're walking into the garden. We have the choice. God, am I going to choose submission or am I going to choose rebellion? Okay? It's the choice we have. And so I want to get to our, our big so what. We always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? The big so what this morning is just a question. And it might seem like, oh, is that a question I need to ask? I'd, I think every single one of us must ask ourselves this question, and it's this. Are you God-fearing or do you have the fear of the Lord? Are you God-fearing? And some of you are like, yeah, that's a good thing. We've already said, but that's not, that, that's not going to save you. Having a general sense, yeah, there's a God out there, and I'm going to figure out stuff on my own. That's, that's not salvation. That's not a hope for you, right? Some of you are in that place. You're resting. You're like, ah, I'm God-fearing. Like, I think, I, think, I think there's power out there. I'm trying to be good. Okay, that's great, but that doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't change anything for you. My fear, here's my fear. My fear is that we got churches filled with God-fearing people. Not just in this church, but in the church at large. We got, we got God-fearing people that, yeah, there's a God out there, and I'm going to do my spiritual duty to show up to a church on Sunday. But the rest of the week, 
I don't really give a rip what he has to say about my life, what he expects of me, what he's calling me to. I don't really care about those things. I, I'm just going to do the best that I can, right? Because I'm a good person, right? I'll be a good person. Then I'll come back next week, and I'll prove to God that I'm a God-fearing person because I showed up to church. But have we actually stepped into a place where we say we have the fear of the Lord? We say, God, I submit my view of the world. I submit my view of things to yours. And I say, God, I want to I give my life to you. I want to say, what do you have to say about when things come up in our lives? I'm not thinking, like, what's my idea for it? It's, no, what is God's idea for it? And I want to just take a few minutes and walk through a few circumstances to give us some examples, okay? So last week I made a mention of a, of a topic in our culture having to do with abortion and, and Roe versus Wade. I had a conversation on that. See, when we come to topics like that that come up in culture, and that's just one of a myriad of topics that come up, here's what we don't do as followers of Christ. A God-fearing person says, what do I think? What do I think is right? That's what a God-fearing person. A person who has the fear of the Lord says, what does God have to say about this? What does his truth speak into this? Where is he leading us in this? What is the trajectory of Scripture? If it doesn't explicitly speak about it, what does the trajectory of Scripture point us to? That's what it does. And it steps in that. And it doesn't really matter what we think about it, what we feel about it, because that's secondary to submitting ourselves to God and saying, God, what do you say about it? Same thing is true with the issues. I'm gonna, we're going to talk in a few weeks about issues of sexuality. We come to those issues in our culture. Culture has something to say about that. You might have something to say about that. I might have something to say about it. But all of that is secondary to what does God say about it? And a, a person who has the fear of the Lord says, Lord, I'm going to submit my thoughts to your thoughts. As it says in Scripture, his, th- his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our God, I'm going to submit to your thoughts and your ways and trust you. Even if I don't like it, I'm going to trust in you. That's what it means to have the fear of the Lord. I submit myself to you. And some of you are out there are like, yeah, I'm glad he mentioned those two things. And you're like, yeah, okay. Let's talk about pride and arrogance. Because it can come out in a spiritual sense. Well, I'm one of those spiritually clean. I'm not one of those people. Okay. You know what God says about your pride? It's as bad as witchcraft. Straight rebellion. That's what it says. And if you're a God-fearing person, you'd say, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, I'm still a clean person. I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm better than those people, so it doesn't really matter. But God would say, no, 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 no. You're broken. And you need to submit your pride to me. You got to die to yourself. You got to lay yourself down. That's what it looks like to be a person who follows Christ. Someone who has the fear of the Lord says, listen, God, whatever is in me that is not according to your plan and your desire for me, God, would you, would you root it out of me? Would you change me, Lord? Think about things like forgiveness. Because a God-fearing person says, well, I forgive most people, but that person hurt me too bad, and I can't forgive them. I'm not going to forgive them. Okay, that's fine. A God-fearing person could do that. A person who fears the Lord understands that what does Jesus say? If you don't forgive them, I can't forgive you. So you don't really get a choice. It doesn't matter what you feel about the circumstance. It doesn't matter what you think about it. The reality is if we're not willing to pursue and step into forgiveness for someone, it's actually going to be destructive to us. And it might not make sense to your mind. But somebody who has the fear of the Lord says it doesn't matter whether it makes sense to me. God, I choose submission to your authority. I choose submission to you. That's what it means. It might come to our mouth. Some of us are like, we got, we got a mouth on us. That's how God wired me. He just wired me that way. That's how he made me. I'm a God-fearing person. That's how he designed me. That's great. Cool, he designed you that way, but what does his word say? Okay, out of your mouth shows just vile stuff. It shouldn't be that way. The book of James talks about it. It shouldn't be that way. And so what do we do? A God-fearing person says, well, this is how God designed me. Someone who fears the Lord says, God, would, would you help shape me? 
Would you change? Would you transform me? Whatever's broken in me, whatever wrong, God, would you shape me? Because I want to submit myself to you. God, I don't want to be a person who just says that I honor God. I want to be one who fears and reverences the Lord. Not some general sense of who he is, but who, who God has revealed himself to be specifically. That's what he's calling us to. And so the book of Proverbs begins with this concept. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you want to experience wisdom in your life? You want to walk in accordance with what his plans are? Well, it starts in a very simple place. The fear of the Lord, the submission to his ways. And my guess is that there's some of us here that if we're honest, we would have to answer this question and be like, I don't know that I fear the Lord because I really care what I think about things a lot more. Really, culture dictates my view on things far more than God does. Okay, this morning might be an opportunity for you to just once again rededicate your heart and say, God, God, I want to submit myself to you. I want, I want to turn my heart over to you again, God. I, want to, I don't want to do things on my term and just simply be a God-fearing person. God, I want to fear the Lord. I want to submit to you. But it's possible there's somebody here this morning who's never submitted their life to Christ. The good news of the gospel is that God has life and salvation available for you. He wants to give you a brand new beginning. He wants to restore things. He says, our sin, our rebellion. Remember when we had the wrong way, what's the result of that? Death. Death. In fact, the book of Proverbs says this. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And the ways of the world oftentimes seem right to us, but if we recognize it, it will ultimately lead to death. But there may be somebody here today who needs to say, you know what? I'm ready to step into life. And that's done by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. It's submitting to him and not just saying, hey, Jesus, you're cool. It's saying, Jesus, I give you control over my life. And I receive the gift of salvation through that. I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond this morning. But I, my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit would speak, would meddle with us a little bit. Because my guess is there's some areas in our life where we've been wrestling on our own. Maybe we've been heading the wrong direction. We've been thinking the wrong things. And maybe God would say, you know what, this is an area. You haven't been submitting to me in this area. You've been holding on to this one. And I believe God wants to speak to us. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes across the room. Father, we thank you so much that you do want to speak to us. You want to speak to us, God. So right now, I just invite you across the room, just um, in your own heart to say, Holy Spirit, is there, is there any area in my life where I'm operating in rebellion? Just ask that. Say, Spirit, is there anything where I've been acting, operating in rebellion? Where I've been going the wrong way, but I've been acting like a God-fearing person, but lacking the fear of the Lord. I've cared more about what I think than what anybody else thinks or what you think. God, would you speak to our hearts? If you sense God speaking something to your heart, I would just invite you to have a moment of repentance right where you're at. Say, God, forgive me. I want to turn away from that. I want to offer that to you. I want to submit my heart to you again. Take a moment to do that. Father, our desire is not to be those who walk away from you and try to foolishly figure out things on our own. God, we want to receive your wisdom. We want to walk in your light. God, we admit that there are times when we turn away from you. And so, God, I pray today you would help us as your spirit speaks, even now and later, as the week goes on. If there's areas, Lord, that you reveal, God, I pray we would have hearts of repentance to turn it over to you. To say, God, we truly fear you in a healthy way. We recognize who you are and put our lives in submission to you and to your word.
Give us that wisdom, Lord, we pray. With every head bow and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and maybe you're in a place where you'd say, you know what, I don't know that I've ever submitted my life like that to Christ. I don't, I've been a church person. I maybe have been exploring faith, but I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. Maybe you're with us online and you're watching and you're just, you're just not sure. Um, this could be a day for you to take a, a step, the most important step you could ever take says that the wages of sin is death, right? The result of our sin is separation from God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if we would turn our lives to Jesus, place our trust and our faith in Him, receive His gift of salvation through submission by giving our lives fully to Christ and believing in Him, He gives us the gift of life and life eternal. Restored relationship and the, and the, the confidence of eternal life in heaven. If that's you this morning and you want to respond to Christ, you want to take that step, that important step, I invite you with every head bow, every eye closed, just to raise a hand across the room to say, that's me. I want to take a step to submit my life to Jesus today. I want to give my life to Jesus. Yeah. 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 If you're online, I encourage you to respond as well. If that's you, I encourage you to just pray along with me in your own heart. God, we just, we give our hearts to you. Lord, we recognize our sinfulness. We recognize our brokenness. And Lord, we want to turn to you. So God, I pray that you would help us today. Help me today, Lord God, to live for you. Lord, I put my faith in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. I'm believing in Jesus. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin. And instead, I turn and submit my life to you, Jesus. I pray that you would help me to live for you, to walk underneath of your authority, to serve you, Jesus, all the days of my life. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that, Jesus. Lord, I pray for every single one of us in this room. God, I pray that this week we would walk in a different way. Father, that we would be asking the question, not what do I think, not what does everybody else think, but God, what do you say? What are you saying? Could we stand on that truth, Lord? May we live differently because of it. May we experience your wisdom, your guidance, and your direction in our life as we choose submission, the posture of our hearts, Lord. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.